Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Hey, do you want to play a game set in the Roaring Twenties this week? Uh, yeah. Okay, yes. but next week, can I put it in the 1960s? Wait, maybe? And then the following week, can we play in uh, the 80s? Um, okay, I'm still into that, I think. Cool, all right, well then we're going to get into a little uh, genre switching. Cue music. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host from the genre of the 1980s, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda, who's suddenly unsure what genre she is. Well, I'm pretty sure you're from the 1990s. Well, I mean, that but depends. But your formative years, formative years. Okay, so that's why I was asking, because like, formative right, years do I just do or it birth again? years? Do I just do it again? No, keep going. I'm not editing this. Okay. <laughs> this episode goes live tomorrow, my friend. I am not editing. <laughs> we'll get into that in the in the bamboo lounge. Anyway, we're here. We're from two different decades. I mean, I've been in through all the decades you've been through, but Yes, and another one. <laughs> and and like one more before it. You have one more decade. <laughs> Although arguably that one was an uglier decade. Um corduroy and brown Ooh. and oranges and things like that. Kind of a I mean, it really just depends on your aesthetic. Ugh. My aesthetic was definitely not the 1970s. <laughs> anyway. Okay, cool. Anyway, so for today's topic, um, we have Shadow World 1 back with another question via Twitter. And they said, Oh, great pandas, impart your knowledge of switching genre mid-game or bouncing between them from story arc to story arc. What systems work best for this and which are the worst? Examples, sliders, and quantum leap. So first of all, I think we know now that Shadow Shadow Wall is closer to my age than your age. Um, based on the television shows selected? Based on those two television shows yeah. selected. I'm going to ask you questions about the shows because I have seen neither. <laughs> yeah, so our definition is going to start with the assumption that some of you may not know what Sliders and Quantum Leap is, and yeah. it'll be important like for me. us to, to know these to head into our topic for today. So Correct. let me um, school you up. Uh, Sliders was a uh, 1990s TV show. If memory serves, it originally started on Fox and then moved over to sci-fi after a few seasons. Um, the premise of it, not getting too deep into the show... But I did rather like this show when it came on in the 90s. And this was like towards the mid to late 90s. Um, the idea was that um, the little crew of people had gotten a hold of a machine that opened up portals to alternate Earths. So in other words, parallel universes. Or in today's uh, Marvel um, age, multiverse. <laughs> yes. And what they would do is that episode to episode, they would arrive in a um, in a alternate Earth. They were ultimately looking for their Earth. They had like leapt from their Earth to another one, got lost. And now they're trying to like hop through alternate Earths till they can find theirs. That's like what's that's what's driving them through the show. Right. Anyway, the device gives them like a certain amount of time that they have to spend in the um in this alternate earth before it detects another portal. And then when the portal opens, I got to jump through it. 
Um, otherwise, if they miss the portal, it's like 30 years before the next portal comes around. Oh, hey. Okay, so like, like again, from a role-playing perspective, really cool. Um, high stakes. There's some high stakes. stakes. And the portal can be there for a couple hours. Like the next portal could be coming in a couple hours or it could be coming in a couple months. So it gives the G like it would give the GM a lot of flexibility for um, setting up how long they want, you know, you, you, they want you to stay in a particular area. Okay. Anyway, yeah. so sliders, parallel earths jumping through. And I'll just tell you, I don't remember a lot of episodes, but I like one of the ones I do remember is like they jumped into an earth where England had won the revolutionary war. And so like, they were, they were like in Washington DC, but like the union Jack was flying over the Capitol building, like that kind of thing. And I think ultimately they led another American revolution <laughs> before leaving. Right. Wow. So, <laughs> Just drop in, change the world. Go. Oh yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually the thing because it was parallel earths. Like one, the earths were different, but two, like muck it up all you want. Cause it's not your earth. Right. right. So we're not concerned about some like timeline continuity nonsense which takes us to our other show uh quantum leap which was an nbc uh tv show that actually started in the late 80s and went into the 90s um and this was a show about a single time traveler sam beckett um who uh leapt into the bodies of other people so he would basically like possess them um and what he would do is like it was, I forget the ending of the show, I think explains like it gets kind of um, weird and religious. Like there's some force guiding Sam into these people whose lives then he has to like fix so that like everything's okay in the timeline. And um, so that aside, Sam like leaps into a body. He does, he has amnesia. So he doesn't really understand what's going on with himself. And he never understands initially who he is. Right. So he like shows up and he's like in a dress. Hmm. Right. And like, 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 you know, the kitchen's on fire or something. And like, he's like, whoa, boy. Right. Like, that's always the end of the episode. And the beginning of the episode is like he leaps into something and he's like, oh, boy. And he's like in trouble. (laughs) And then he has to like figure out like what's going on by context. And then his buddy from the future, who's a hologram, comes and sees him. But ultimately what Sam is doing is he's traveling through the length of his lifetime, which I think is something like the 40s through whatever fictitious year he invents time travel. I think it's like in the 2000s or something. Anyway, um, and so episode to episode, he's in different um, he's in different decades doing different things. He's different genders. Uh, the really cool part about it is if he's playing a different gender, they just put him in the appropriate costume and it's still just um, the actor who is Scott Bakula, by the way, who is Captain Archer. Um, for those of you um, who are older, he's Captain Archer from Enterprise. Um, and anyway, so anyway, that's another one where week to week, like that show jumps decades yeah, and like does stuff. Okay. Which goes all the way back to Shadow Wall's um, original question, now that we've gone past the uh, pop history v- review, which is talking about genre switching, right? Games in which the genre changes during the course of the game. And like uh, Shadow Wall said, like, it could be mid-game, uh, it might be story arc to story arc, those kinds of things. Um, how you know and we're gonna what we're gonna do is look at we're gonna talk about systems today and we're gonna answer um shadow walls questions about which systems might be better for this which might be worse and we're even going to um 
uh, talk about sliders and Quantum Leap if if we were going to make them into games. Sure, if you were going to make them into games. Sure, because I'm the only one who's them. seen them. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I, I use we because we're doing it on the show. Yeah, yeah. But since I'm the only one who's seen the episodes, fair enough, I'm the one who will be talking about them. Sliders, though. Did that start in, like, some kid's basement? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think I've actually seen the first episode of that. If memory and serves. He ends up, like, uh, freaking out and trying to get back to his home world, but then he thinks he's home, but then, like, he's in some place that's really, really close, except that his mom is dating the mailman, and the lights are go when they're red, but stop when they're green, and everybody I mean, it's possible. Him. I don't remember the pilot very well, but that's just what I um, <laughs> for a little bit of um, Lord of the Rings trivia for you, uh, jean Rhys Davies. Uh, plays one of the characters uh, who you might recognize um, from Lord of the Rings as the dwarf. Yeah, I was just giving you a look. Just, I know how much you love those movies. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's okay. We can... By the dwarf, do you mean Gimli? <laughs> I do mean Gimli, of course. Uh, the dwarf. Yeah, I there said Lord only of the Rings. One. I didn't say the Hobbit. Like, the Hobbit, I'd have to be far more specific. You have to be significantly but, more specific. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Anyway, um, I mean, we could get into a whole thing of Jean Rhys Davies. I could tell you about Shogun, which was one of the um, no. most amazing miniseries on no. TV. We're going to answer Shadow World's question. <laughs> Why don't you talk about a little bit about the role of mechanics in genre? Okay, that sounds like a good idea. That like sounds like it'll get us back on topic and stuff. Um, cool. So we've talked a lot on this show. Um, I think pretty consistently about um, how genre and mechanics work together and how they can be related um, and how we we like it (laughs) a lot of times when they are. Um, But they are much more on a continuum than necessarily like paired at the hip, right? Um, Meaning that you can have games that are tightly coupled in the mechanics um, so that the mechanics are like really directly support only playing through that genre. They guide you into that genre. It's literally difficult to play against it, even if you have no experience with the genre because the mechanics create the tropes of the genre itself, right? Um, so an example of that would be Cartel. That one is very good. A lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games fall into that category because Powered by the Apocalypse is a genre emulating system you know when you do moves and stuff like that so um so cartel good example very good Um, example a (laughs) mid-range like somewhere right about in the middle on our spectrum that we're talking about um would be like a D &D, right like there's a lot there's a lot of D D that's pretty generalized um, but there's also some stuff that is specific to the genre, right? Um, and there are some things about how you play it and just the approach that it sort of steers you into in terms of like prioritizing maybe more dungeon crawl stuff than social stuff just because of the way that um, it encourages you to react to problems um, that uh, make it a little more directed into that style of play and that type of like fantasy, go to the pub, then go to the dungeon kind of Right, but we know the mechanics are kind of the mechanics are kind of loose enough that a number of people have made other yeah. uh, games for other genres using it. Absolutely, I have some feels about that, which we'll probably talk about we'll probably, later in the episode. We'll probably but, talk about them later. But people why not? have done it, right? Yeah. There's 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 you sci-fi totally, versions of five E, cyberpunk you, you versions totally of five E. Can right? Yeah. Right. 
Um, and then the the last one, the far other end of that spectrum is when they aren't coupled at all. So this is where we get into generic systems, right? So we're talking about Savage Worlds, we're talking about Fate, Cortex, Genesis. These are systems that were written um, without a specific uh, genre in mind, but written to be coupled with whatever genre you wanted to put them in, right? Yeah, cool. exactly. Um, let me just mention... Um, that there's another axis to the rules, right? So we're talking about genre, um, genre and mechanics, right? How tightly coupled. Um, there's another axis to this, which is complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, how complex is a set of rules um, is independent from how tightly it's coupled to genre. Yes. Because hero, hero system, which is um, not, which is a generic system, not coupled, um, is actually super complex. Um, I think it's I think it's super complex. I'm sure there's people out there who are like, no, it's only moderate complexity. But I don't know when you have like a 500 page rule book, like I'm feels pretty, I'm on, feels I'm, on pretty the, chonky. I, I'm feeling more complex than not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, these are things that you want to take into consideration. Is that like, for instance, I think Genesis is probably slightly more complex than Savage Worlds. Yes, the Genesis oh, yeah, I mean, book. Genesis is 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 not um is not a small book. It's a pretty hefty textbook on its own. But in that book, it also contains a bunch of sample genres, right? So it's not all rules, but it's not small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's not small. Um, complexity is another thing, right? So when you're looking at these, um, not every generic system is light. Not every generic system is complex. Um, you have that range um, when you're looking at these things. So take that into take that into consideration. Yeah, and that becomes something that's about personal preference. Yeah, absolutely. Like maybe you want to. I mean, like I'm not a big complex uh, uh, game person, so my you know choice of of um, my choice of uh, games tends to go towards the lighter. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody here. Mm-hmm. Well, mid to light because yours actually, is like, mid to light very much. Yeah, you, mine's mid to light. Yours is like light to nearly non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, my tolerance for playing a mid-range game is much higher than yours. Yes, that would be a good yeah. way to say it. But I top out. Like I will not. Like I will not GM. I might play, but I will not GM a complex game. Yeah. It's just too much at this point. I'm like too old and I'm busy and all that stuff. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I, I really, I'm like, I'm just too busy. I'm too busy to like, I'm too busy to, um, I'm too busy to like, like learn a game. Like it's a profession. Like I have a profession. Then I have like a night job and shit. Like I, like I need a game. that's going to be like more like learn it and go kind of thing. Anyway, Jumping back to our topic. <clears throat> <laughs> We're not doing well at that today, but good. It is what it is. It is what Going it is. back to the question of systems for genre changing now, right? So now we're talking about, back to Shadowwall's question about, like, how would you do these games? Um, I think it's pretty obvious that tightly coupled games aren't going to be good rule systems for this. Um, because, for instance, like, if I was to use Cartel yeah. and then genre hop in Cartel. Yeah. It's going to be really tough because the moves for Cartel are like, like they're specifically honed for telling narco fiction. Yes. Right. They, they're not even, they're not even good for like something that's in the same time period, like espionage. Like, yeah. No, they're, they're not. not. They like, they if, don't. If you were going to genre hop using PBTA, you would have to line up a series of PBTA games 
that you were going to jump through and then like regenerate your characters for each system. Well, I'm, right. <laughs> like and you wouldn't really be able to do it in one fell swoop. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Um, I, I'll touch on that in a second. We don't have that in the notes, but I will touch on that. Mm-hmm. So my, my point is with cartel, right? Like you cannot lift, like you cannot lift the, the moves out of cartel and be like, cool. We're going to play like '80s kids on bikes now. Uh, yeah, no. Like none of those moves, <laughs> uh-uh. like very few of those moves, actually will will work. Mm-hmm. So tightly coupled games are probably not going to do it, which means that you really need to get down to that mid range, like a like a five E mechanic. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> before it will really start working at all. Bef- yeah, before it even becomes functional, or even better, my preference would be like go generic. Yeah. Right. This is kind of what generic games are for. Now, let me caveat this with a couple of things. Mm-hmm. So one, um, if somebody was to actually make a quantum leap, the yes. powered by the apocalypse game, yes. that would be the case where a tightly coupled set of rules would actually support this because the game would, as a genre, support the um, uh, what's called would support the genre changing. Yes. Like, it would it would key in on the moves that you needed for the overall quantum leap part of the story while giving you generalized things to interact with each decade or whatever that you ended up in on a specific basis. Yeah. yeah. So it's not to say, I, I don't want people to be like, no, tightly coupled games could totally do it. They totally could if the game is if they made were written for. for it. <laughs> yes. Again, if they're tightly coupled to the genre, the genre not being a particular time period, the genre being the genre of genre changing or genre hopping. Yeah. Take that as a, <laughs> that is the audio clip we're using for next year's Ennies, by the way. That is. Um, the genre of genre hopping? Yes. I'm just going to take that, put it on loop and play it for 15 that minutes. Is, that is gold that's, right there. That's what we'll do. I won't I even have to we edit don't, I don't know how we didn't get nominated. Anyway. Um, <laughs> with gold like that okay so the other one i'm gonna touch on is a thing that you said which actually um game designer uh john wick actually made a small pdf about this not i'll explain in a second but the idea would be to take your characters and keep retranslating them through different games so that your genre hopping meant that um, instead of using one set of rules, you used like different ones. Like for instance, maybe your genre hopping is to hop through a bunch of PBTA games. Yeah. Right? So we could do like, for instance, you could be a medical doctor in Mashed in the 1950s during the Korean War. And then you could genre hop and be a stuntman in action movie world. And then you could be... um, Oh, I'm trying to think what other ones would be real. Oh, then you could be a little old lady solving crimes yeah. in, in Brindlewood Bay, right? <laughs> and you can totally do that. The the downs it's not a downside. The trick to it is you will need to be proficient in all the games. Yeah. And there will be a little bit of downtime as players have to reach like have to translate their characters into each of them. Not yep. impossible, and I will say this, if I was going to do a game like that, as ambitious as it is, I would do it in PBTA because character generation is really fast in PBTA, and so, like, hopping your characters through and being like, okay, this week you are, like, we're playing Night Witches, and you are, you know, Russian female fighter pilots, and we're going to play this for, like, uh, two weeks, and then we're going to jump to whatever, um, 
I could sit down and throw out all the playbooks and you could be like, okay, my character is probably this playbook. Fill it out really quick. My stats from my previous character kind of match this and go, right? Yeah. And but, if I told, but if I told you like this week we're playing Knights Black Agents and next week we're going to play like Marvel superheroes ah. and then the week <laughs> after we're going to play this game. It's not that you can't do that. But the workload of making the characters, learning the new systems and all of that is going to be far more than just um, learning a bunch of PBTA games. Because really, once you know how to GM in PBTA and you just really need to kind of pick up the GM moves, learn the basic moves, and you can, you know, kind of get up and running. Yeah, I mean, you would just have to select the the games that you were going to move through with care so that they worked together because you could definitely string together a bunch of things that didn't make any sense because um, there's a lot of really cool games out there. Right? So I'm just looking to see if I can do this really quick. What um, are you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to find the John Wick. Um, no, no, find it after. We'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Anyway, there's a game where the premise is basically like every time your character, like at some point your characters die. And when they do, um, you switch games. And there's like a little meta framework that John wrote that like you you use to kind of carry your characters over. Interesting. But essentially the idea is like you can play the same character across different games by using this like little meta framework. Cool. Anyway. Um, Cool. I do like the idea of actually um, quantum leaping through a bunch of PBTA games. Like I actually think it would be... um, it could actually be a lot of fun, especially if all you did is like your extra work is write a couple of custom moves. Like when you leap roll plus whatever. And like, this is how confused you are. Bef- like when you arrive oh, or neat, <laughs> I think or this, I, is, I, this is how bad the situation is that you land in. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, or, or yeah. it's roll. And then it's one of those moves where it's like 10 plus choose two. Yeah, exactly. nine choose one and then you're like managing how confused you are how disastrous is the situation that you just leave yeah, in how right. is is someone standing there expecting you to know what's going on like <laughs> yeah i mean there's some ones in quantum leap like where like sam like jumps into the body and then somebody's like all right you're on stage and like they push him out onto stage right and he's like in an arena with a guitar like oh boy right? like, yeah um so absolutely right like that would be um i actually would i actually would play that it would require a little bit of work um in order to like make sure you knew all the pbta games but it could be a lot of fun i mean if you did pbta games that you already knew which a lot of us have already played a bunch of them oh yeah so already yeah i mean just have to refresh on a bunch of them yeah, yeah. anyway we should keep going <laughs> we, i mean i don't think we weren't going we just we were all, we we didn't we were doing non-scripted parts but that was all in no, support of the whole but dangerously we were starting to inch towards writing a game on the mics yeah well we're not doing that right now <laughs> okay um okay Good. so what about what about if we do like a medium coupled system like what's our what, like what can, what can we do with that so that's where we get into if we if we go back to D D as our example of a medium coupled system. So this is where like you can you can totally do it, right? It's got enough wiggle room that you can make it happen. Um but you're probably gonna have to do some hacky stuff, right? Like with D D, um one of the first things that people usually change when they genre hunt like hop is that they they will start changing the names of the skills to match the genre that they're in or like add in things that are not necessarily in D and D like computers um, or firearms or whatever you know 
Um, but it's funny that I just said firearms, right? Because there are supplements um, for D&D that will add in a lot of other things. And you can get into stuff where, um, as we were saying, like people have already hacked um, a lot of D20 stuff um, out of D&D. So potentially you can mash some of that material in to facilitate genre hopping. But it is one of those things where you, you'll have to do some massaging as you go. Um, you probably have to do some massaging up front so that you have uh, basically a more generalized system to then morph into each genre as you land in it. <laughs> that's really what you're doing. You're really taking a system that's partially coupled and trying to decouple it the rest of the way so that you can then like move through it with a generic um, yeah. system. Yeah. It's 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 not impossible, but like you're you know, you're gonna get messy. But here's the thing. I, I don't want to poo-poo it, right? Because what I want to say is like, look, if you love 5e and you have like system mastery over 5e, right? Like you just like you live, breathe 5e and you're like, I really want to do this game. Then you're going to be like, you're like, you could do this work, yeah. right? Like you can go buy the espionage one, the cyberpunk one, you know, like whatever you can buy those 5e books and pull out the pieces you need and be like, cool, here's some car chase rules. Um, Here's like some feats that might be more specific. Here's some classes that fit better, whatever. And like you could totally throw that together. If that's like, if that's where your system mastery lies, it's not terrible. Um, it it stays where it stays in your strong suit. Um, you probably have a lot of the material, and you could like throw this together. Yeah. Um, it's not mine only because I don't really know five E well enough to do this. But like, if you were Sean, if you were Sean Merwin, yeah, like. You probably totally, totally could. could throw this together. Yeah, you'd right? be like, yeah, no problem. Give me an afternoon. Like, Yeah, exactly. Now, my personal preference, and I think I speak for both you of us do. on this, right? You absolutely do. Our, our, personal, <laughs> yeah, our personal preference in solving Shadow Wall's problem is to go to a generic system. Um, I think there is a whole host of generic systems out there, old and new, because um, one cannot speak of generic systems without... Uh, in deference to GURPS. Um, mm. Not a game that I particularly love, but a game I owned a shit ton of, of, of source books for. Um, the source books were amazing. Uh, even if you didn't play the game, the, the info in the source books were fantastic. Uh, anyway, generic system. Generic systems are, are made for uh, being coupled to genres. So they're designed to be broad, they're designed to be flexible in terms of flexible in terms of skills, flexible in terms of um, combat, how weapons are expressed, all of those things. Um, they're going to be able to do this with less work than you would with, like, say, a 5e. Yeah. Um, now, D20, so not 5e. I'm going to put 5e to the yep, side because that's very specific. But D20 is also a generic system. That's true. And I, I misspoke. Boy. Right and boy, if you were around in the early 2000s, you could, yeah. like, if you wanted to, if you wanted to do a D20, um, like, game in anything. either one of these, yeah, like, there was no shortage of books to cover every aspect of, um, every aspect of the universe. Um, you would be fine. Like, you would have no problem whatsoever. I would highly recommend uh, for that uh, D20 Modern. Um, which was a um, 
a very solid D20 game written by Wizards of the Coast for the modern genre that actually had add-ons for future and uh, a little bit of past. Like, I think it went somewhat in the past and somewhat into the future. You get a lot of mileage out of the D20 modern system for this kind of thing. It's not what we're going to recommend, but it is a generic system. It's just that I don't play that much D20 anymore, and it plays like a D20 game, right? So it has levels, classes, feats, and all those things. It also has a really weird economy system. I don't dislike it, but I don't love it. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, All right. That's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> take the next piece. Okay. Um, so basically, <laughs> I'm not even actually sure where you were, but oh, the idea I'm with, at the with top of that page. <laughs> okay. Well, the idea with the generic ones is that. Um, since they are a very generic system that was built with the specific idea that a genre was going to be applied over it, um, they're both very easy to apply genres over, um, and they probably have a lot of source books that can be really useful to help you with that, um, or they will sometimes also give you specific instructions on how to, like what to mess with, what to change, what to tweak to get specific feels out of them or both like fate. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if we talk about fate um, just off the, t- they have a bunch of different toolkits, but off the top of my head, I can think of, you know, some of the more recent ones like uh, the horror toolkit um, looked pretty awesome. And then um, what space, space the final frontier uh i shouldn't whisper people in their cars wouldn't won't be able to hear me <laughs> yeah, i don't think people are gonna enjoy that <laughs> be like senda why was there weird silence when you did that um cool uh having said that uh generic games do have their own specific feel to them right so they're generic in terms of the actual genre, but they're going to have a play feel that is um, generated by the mechanics themselves, right? So a fate game is going to feel different than Savage Worlds. Can attest. They are different. They play differently. They emphasize different things, right? So Absolutely. for your genre switching game, you want to take into consideration when you pick the rules that you use, what type of feel you want to get from your game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, part of it's going to be like when you think about what part of a TV show you want to emulate, you know, what part of a, um, like, what's important to you. It is also then important to kind of look at what does this generic system say about characters and about how characters approach the world. Yeah, so maybe this is a good opportunity for us to put that into practice and make you, because I haven't seen the shows. (laughs) Um, Why don't you take a crack at telling me how you would make a sliders game? Like, what system would you use for that? All right, so I'm going on a pretty sketchy memory of sliders. Um, I mean, it's better than mine, although apparently I might remember the the pilot, right? Like, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, Sliders had, you know, some amount of investigation, not a ton. Um, and it definitely had some action, right? Like, there were definitely fights and things like that. Um, but I think I would do, like, I would do Sliders, like, a bit more, um, I would do Sliders a bit more action-y, right? Chases and heists and, like, stealing things, you know, like, oh, the, you know, the controller thing got taken away from us. We have to break into a place and get it and those kinds of things so i to do this 
action-wise, I'm going with Savage Worlds. Okay. Yeah. Savage Worlds Savage Worlds a good generic system. Um, it has a um, while it has subsystems for certain things like heists and chases. Um, it has um, it, it's very action oriented. Um, it's light. It's fast. Right. The mechanics of this game are not very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, actually, one of my major complaints over time is that the game feels a little bit too samey. Yeah. Right. Like it's a little, it but right. But what what'll be fun in this is like what'll be fun is that it'll be a very um, knowable set of rules with very different worlds yes. um, put on top of it. So I think that could actually be a lot of fun. Um, I could pitch these for almost any other, right? I could tell you we could play sliders in D20 Modern as well. Um, and it would just be a preference thing. I'm just picking a generic system. I'm not telling you this is the generic system, right? I don't want people to be like on Twitter at me. Like, like how dare this like, is You totally could have used wrong. Cortex Prime, Phil. You could like, have. You, you totally could use Cortex Prime. It would be okay. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying one at the exclusion of others. I am saying, just hypothetically, I probably would knock out my Sliders game in Savage Worlds. Pretty quick. It's pretty fast. Um, it's fast, fun, furious, whatever. I can't remember the fast, furious, fun. It's fast and furious, and like, yeah, <laughs> too, <laughs> too fast. I don't think that's too fun. Too fast, too, 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 fast, too fun, world. too furious, too too savage, too fun. That's too the savage, two worlds. Yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, but but I, I like I I like uh, I I like Savage Worlds for this. But like I said, Cortex Prime D twenty Modern. Yeah, I could totally do it in those. Okay. Yeah. For quant. Sorry. Okay. Tell us about Quantum Leap. For Quantum Leap, I'm I'm going to go with one of my favorite generic systems. Um, for f- I I want to use Fate, and I'm gonna and for this one, I'm gonna be very specific. Sam Beckett, while having I believe as he calls it in the um, show, his Swiss cheese memory of not quite remembering things. Sam is like an expert in a number of things. He's like a he's like a, a scientist. He knows martial arts. Like he's like. He's like really good um, and super competent. And fate is always about competent, dramatic, competent characters, right? So when I use fate, I can guarantee that however I stack up the group, because in this case, I'm imagining we're playing with a party, not a solo person. Yeah. Like, like the group is going to have like plus four skills in the like, you know, places where they're awesome and plus three skills in other places or whatever, meaning that um, they're competent. They can get things done. That's like Sam Beckett. He was competent. Um, So I feel like fate works really good for this. The other thing I really like about this is that for figuring out what's going on and who you are and stuff, like, I think that's where the GM could do a whole thing with discovering aspects. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Right. Because one of the little, like, one of, like, a thing that not everyone uses in Fate is that when you use Create Advantage, you can always create advantage to create an aspect on a scene, but you can use Create Advantage to learn an aspect about a thing, a place, or a person. Mm-hmm. So, like, for instance, when you show up and you don't know who you are, like you could use like you could use your fast talking skill as a create advantage to try to understand the aspects about your physical body. Yeah. Right? Like the the aspects of the person people think you are because you would jump in and you'd have a whole set of skills and a set of aspects that are you. 
Like, yep. I'm just going to say Sam Beckett, but imagine it's multiple people, right? Sure. So Sam, Sam comes in, has, you know, has, you know, Swiss cheese memory as a, as his trouble aspect has, um, you know, um, quantum leaping do gooder or something as his first aspect or, you know, uh, that kind of thing and something else. But then like the body jumps into would also have aspects that Sam would have to figure out. Yes. Right. Like that some of them might also be through has some things. Exactly. Like he like, you know, Sam might have to figure out like um, I'm a pregnant mother. Yeah. That's happened in the game. Right. Sam has I believe Sam has been pregnant and given birth in the course of the um, in the course of the game. Right. Like <laughs> the show. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, in, in the course of the show. Yeah. Like Sam like Sam's jumped into like everybody. Um, but it would be fun to actually use that um, one to tease out who you are, but then to figure out what needs to be fixed in the timeline would be like like these like um, setting aspects that would like you know these adventure aspects that would have to be uncovered, like suddenly like discovering like oh you're here because your husband is going to like do something dumb and get shot by the cops and if he does like all this stuff down timeline gets screwed up and so like you need to figure out that aspect as part of the group and then like do stuff to stop that from happening right like i think fate would be a really fun way to do uh quantum leap just for those purposes right like i i feel like um i feel like you could do a lot with that and and have it like be really fun I highly recommend if you ever have a chance it's on it's on um oh god i forget which channel you can watch quantum leap i think somewhere on streaming and it it they're actually quite good like for an 80s 90s show they're they're actually um they're actually quite entertaining and scott bacula um is fantastic in it um dean stockwell is his um sidekick al um but that's why everybody was super excited when uh he got when um Scott Bakula got named as Captain Archer for Enterprise because everybody was like, oh, he's going to make such an awesome um, Trek captain. And he does until season yeah, I'm three. Yeah, like, in, until a, he turned into a war criminal, that part, I'm just, God. I don't, I'm not going to watch Enterprise, I don't think. Or I'm going to watch the first two seasons, I'm going to be like, oh, too bad the show ended there. Enterprise war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's rough. You should... <laughs> You should really skip over Enterprise. We should just watch Disco. Like, yeah, it sounds Disco like Disco is, is great. Dis- you will love Disco. It is a, every season is a continuing storyline. Um, you're going to absolutely love the characters. I can't wait for you to watch um, Tilly, who, uh, while you have many favorite characters, Tilly will easily become one of your favorite characters uh, in short time. Yeah, but, anyway. but we have to watch She-Ra first. Oh no, we definitely got to watch Shira. I've one. I promise you, we would watch Shira. Uh-huh. Two, I just we will. I promise. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I, again, fate for Quantum Leap because I think that one would be really good. And so, before we jump into um, our blurb and about another show and close out the show, I just want to kind of sum this up. Right, genre switching really requires a rule set that can handle multiple genres. Uh, and really, my personal opinion is you're going to do really well with a good generic system. There are modern generic systems out there that are plenty solid. Um, Fate is not actually that new. It's been around for a while, but there's plenty of good stuff in that. Um, Cortex Prime is actually a system that I'm really... Um, I want to make sure it's Prime, because I always get the Cortexes wrong. Um, but it just got nominated for like a bajillion Ennies or something. Cortex Prime from Cam Banks. 
Um, it's supposed to be chef's kiss good. Uh, I actually want to get it for just that reason. Like, I kind of want to get it and then just figure out a game to run with it. Yeah. For no reason just then other than uh, I don't have experience playing Cortex Prime and it feels like a thing I should have experience playing. Right. I keep meaning to pick up Genesis because I've, um, I've played it and I enjoyed it. It's funny, though, because it is a game that, like, hits just enough in terms of the mid-crunch that I'm not sure that I'll run it. Um, but it's beautiful. Yeah, it, I, I do love the tea leaf dice. I just, yeah, I, I was really going to say, like right, it's got, the, it's got the tea leafy... Um, uh, yes, but, like, but like I really like how it uses them, so it feels really worth it to me. And I can just use the Star Wars ones. I have the Star Wars ones. You, yeah, I mean, the Star, ones are, Star Wars ones are fine. Um, there's apps, like, there's... Yeah, you can just use the apps for it, but... And the apps you know, will, just, will do all the tea leaf reading, like, calculation parts for you. You don't have to figure out all the canceling out parts. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, I think I, at some point, need to get Cortex Prime. <laughs> no, I feel like I just, as a designer, need just to, need like... To have it like, and see it? I just... I need... No, I want to play it. Like, I, I want to... Um, I want to make up a game around it and apply it to it, because I, I feel like I should just be versed in this um, in this system. Like, I just, I feel like I'm, like, I just should. I like Cam Banks a lot, right? And I like, and I like the other people who also worked on this game. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of designers who I have um, great love for that have, you know, that are part of, that have done work on it. So I would like to, uh, I'd like to play it and experience it because I have not. And, uh, you know, anytime I have not experienced a game, I must. Yes. Well, that is... <laughs> That's how the new shiny thing works. Yeah, yeah. Except that I'm, you know, also 49 and have the patience to be like, yes, Cortex Prime, but no, I'm prepping a new game right now. You so literally right now, are. I'm just, like, I'm just right rereading now. Knights Black Agents. Yes. So. <laughs> Good. A game I could go on for for some time, but I'm not because we've reached the end. So, um, Shadow Wall, I hope this helps. Uh, I will float out that I like I like fate for this, but I also really like what Senda stumbled onto um, in the thing about jumping through a whole bunch of PBTA games. I think that could be wicked fun that as well. It really could be very neat, especially if you did something like what we were talking about. We'll try and find it and put it in the show notes, um, the John Wick things. So if you had some sort of guidelines about how the character hopping work, a little bit of framework on that, um, that would make it super cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go search for that. Yeah. But in the meantime, why don't you um, why don't you tell us about the show on the Misdirected Mark Network? Sure, I would love to tell you about the Misdirected Mark podcast, on which Phil, Bob, and Jerry go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. Boy, do you know any of those people, Phil? I sure do. <laughs> I think I'm. So, I think I am some of those. I people. think you are one third of those people. Just throwing it out there. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Say, Senda, how do people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com, or you can find us on Twitch, where apparently how tw- uh, not Twitch. I mean, you can find Phil on Twitch every Tuesday. Boy, is there something about the daylight coming in the window that just makes us mess up the things that we say, like, all the time? I think there is. I'm going to try that again. You can find us on TikTok, which 
TikTok apparently at this point is Phil very rarely occasionally posts something about games and I thought I was going to post about games but all I really post about is clothes. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> Vintage no worries. clothes. But if you find us there you can absolutely send us stuff and then we'll take your audio and put it in the show. Uh, yeah. Uh, Phil, what can they do once they find us in one of those places? Yeah, you got to just send us topics like Shadowwall did tonight, right? Like that uh, today, right? Not even tonight. Yeah, we're not, um, it's not nighttime. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm so used to nighttime. Um, <laughs> no, like Shadowwall did. Like this was a great topic. Like just, hey, your thoughts about genre switching in games. Like that's a whole thing. Like we'll come up with a topic. Like we'll, like you saw, we figured it all out. But really, what it really comes down to is uh, we want to help you run more better games. And the way we do that is by actually answering topics and questions that are important to you. Um, because uh, if you're asking it, somebody else is also asking it somewhere. Uh, so if we can if we can answer it for you, uh, we can help everybody. And we like helping people. Like, we talk all the time. <laughs> like, I talk to Senda all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And I love talking to her. But it's even better if I get to talk to her about a thing that's actually going to make uh, somebody else's game uh, run better. Yeah. So that's that's really like the if the in the Venn diagram, right? Like talk to Senda, help people, and then where that overlaps, pandas. <laughs> Beautiful. Right? More you. chef's kiss, right? We, we want to be you. in that center part. <laughs> if you like what we do here or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Uh, patrons get the um, the Bamboo Lounge. Um, which is right after this show, the after show from Mr. Mark and access to the ever awesome Slack room for life. I loves, loves, loves my awesome Slack room for life. Um, so many good people. Um, so many good topics. Talk about food and role playing and life in general. Um, just a good supportive community. So if you want to, you know, interact with some great people. Uh, also, we have our Friday luncheons, which I've managed to survive, even though I have to work from work now, not from home. So far, though. So far. So far, my office mates all are not there. So for another couple of weeks, I've got this going for me. I think then it's going to start to break down, which I'm a little upset with. But fingers crossed, I may be home on Fridays. Yeah, so Fingers crossed. If all goes well, I'll be home on Fridays working from home anyway. So then it won't be a big deal. In any case, um, that is a thing you can do that like directly supports us. The other thing you can do that directly supports us is like shout us out on social media. Like when somebody's like, Hey, you know, a good podcast, bam, drop our names. <laughs> like, like it really is the most effective way to get people to listen to us. Send is going to tell you a less effective hmm, way. Thanks. That's still important to us <laughs> because we need that. We need that part as well. But really, like, just tell your, like, we assume you've already told your friends. Like, we don't think you're keeping this secret. Like, and just like, Haha, I've got this great podcast. I'm not telling anyone. <laughs> but I mean, like, just if it pops up on social media, drop our names. Be fantastic. Yep. Appreciate it immensely. Senda, tell them that other less efficient thing that we still think is important. Um, Yeah. And that is that you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, which is basically like telling a stranger. That you like the show, except that since they didn't ask you specifically, it doesn't work as well as like the straight word of mouth part. Right. That's what you're going for, right? That's what we're talking about. Anyway. It's exactly what we're um, talking about. So 
<laughs> but the other thing that it does is that it gives us warm, fuzzy feelings inside because people say they like us and it gives us artistic validation. It's delightful and it makes us really happy. And so thank you so very, very much to everybody who already left a review. We really, really super duper appreciate you a lot. <laughs> yeah, we do indeed. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you very much. Alrighty. Say Senda. Um, what genre would you like to jump into in your next mm. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got, Bloopy. Check, 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 check. Good. I have a topic for the Bamboo Lounge. Oh, good. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's hysterical. It's mildly amusing. It's, if it's amusing you, then I feel like it's appropriate. Okay, well, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. You want to uh, roll into this episode? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we right. should. Let's we should. do it. Oh, what is the... Oh, no, it's do it. Oh, yep. Okay, good. Cool. We're cool. Yep. We're cool here. You go. Thanks, Han Solo. <laughs> we're fine. <laughs> Everything's we're all fine, fine here. here. How are you? <laughs> How are you? It's boring conversation anyway. <laughs> Bloop. Do, do. Do 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 do